Welcome to Hustle & Pro, talking sports from youth to pro. We're here at Visual Learning Solutions in Frisco, Texas, and I'm your host, Kelly Walker. This is a big episode I'm very excited about. We're celebrating our third birthday, and to do that, we have a guest that I have been looking forward to since the very beginning of Hustle & Pro, a voice that we all know and love, Mark Followell. Welcome to Hustle & Pro, Mark. I'm honored to be here for the birthday celebration. Well, thanks. Yeah, we need a, some cake. Yeah, it's a big <laughs> one. Um, and so, okay, I have to get this out of the way um, okay. because I'm a, I'm a P1, a ticket P1. Okay. And so I have to ask you about your time there. Um, first of all, well, for those who don't know what the ticket is, if you're not in the Dallas area, it's our sports radio station. Right. Um, so was, it, was your time there as fun as it sounds like it would be? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a great learning experience. I mean, more than anything, uh, from the fun perspective, this is how I would characterize it. Because really, in the early days of the station, it was extraordinary fun. Because if you recall, when the station came on the air, it came on with a lot of fanfare and a lot of speculation about, well, who are a lot of these guys? Mm -hmm. Can an all-sports radio station make it in Dallas? Because really, only people care about the Cowboys. And so, you know, and there right. weren't uh, name personalities that people, you know, everywhere knew about and of course now those guys are all big names and huge names as a matter of fact and have uh, you know been a huge part of the success of the station but early on um, you know you may have heard personalities on the station use the term bunker mentality before and it really was that and so it was a group of people that had this sort of us against the world mentality and it also just created just going out and having a lot of fun yeah so there were get-togethers and happy hours and parties and things like that that were just uh it was it was so uh there was such bonding yeah that and that's what on. it sounds yeah. like yeah, and it's it still was. carried through all these years later yeah. so when you're going through that and right. you're making these bonding with these these people like mike reiner like right. do you sense the magnitude of what you're getting yourself into or was this just this starter idea and you, you didn't know what, what was, where it was going to go. Starter idea and didn't yeah. know where it was going to go. Okay. And I think Mike, you know, you, that would be a great question to ask Mike because he would have some very, very insightful answers about it because I've heard him talk about doing some of our very early remotes and, and, and days of the ticket yeah. and him realizing, wow, you know, there are people like really invested in the station and who we are and our personalities. And so I think, uh, you know, you, you get an idea of that, but what I really, you know, really cherish is not just the fun, but I learned a lot. And I think I learned a lot that's really helped me from a play-by-play -play and from an announcer standpoint as the years have gone on, not just the technique and technical aspects of play-by-play, -play, but the importance of that people need to be invested in who you are as a person and your personality coming through right. is what is over time. Of course, people want you to, want to turn on a Maverick game and hear it called appropriately. But right. I think there are, there's also just a lot to be said, especially whenever you do the long season sports like baseball, basketball, mm -hmm. hockey, where you're being invited into somebody's home for a long period of time for many, many nights over the course of the yeah. year. They want to like yeah. you. They want to like you. Exactly. I just had this conversation with somebody yeah. today they about likability they know and personality. You. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You're part of the family kind of. Right. And so I think that's what I really learned from my time at the ticket is that personality and people getting to know you and invest in who you are as a person will only enhance the fact that they tune in, first and foremost, to watch the Mavericks or right. FC Dallas. That's what people are tuning in first and foremost for, of course. But if people develop chemistry and a bond and a relationship and association okay. yeah. with you, then yeah, that's, they that's come all back. the better. Yeah, that's yeah. all the better. Okay, so fast forward to now, like you mentioned, um, you're on the air covering games for our favorite team. So 
play-by-play for the Dallas Mavs right. uh, for 15-plus-ish years. So this would be my – this we're in the midst of my 23rd season right now. Oh, 23? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my yeah. years are way off then. Okay, yeah, so 23. The, uh, yeah, the, 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 uh, I the, the chronological order of that uh, is for two years I worked on the radio broadcast mostly as the studio host. Okay. But I did fill in doing play-by-play for selected games whenever there were absences due to illnesses and conflicts okay. and things like that. So you were the backup for a while yes. until you were the yes. A-team. Yes, and then moved into the radio play-by-play role full-time in 2001. So there were two seasons of okay. filling radio, four seasons of full-time radio play-by-play, and then now 17 seasons. This is my 17th year on the TV broadcast. Okay. on the TV uh, side. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Fox that's Sports Southwest, now Valley Sports Southwest. Looking. Yeah. Okay, Fox Sports Southwest, now Valley Sports. Okay. Yeah. And then on the flip side, you mentioned, and your, and your shirt shows. Yes. So with FC Dallas, is 10 years in the right ballpark, or was there a lot more behind that that this I don't is, know about? I just finished my 10th season. Okay. So this upcoming season. season will be number 11. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. there's so other right stuff. On. So um, you've done so many other things, and we're going to talk a lot about the soccer things, but some things like SMU football before that? Yeah, I did two years of SMU football radio play-by-play. Okay. Play. Yep. Yeah, 1999 okay. and 2000, those seasons, and that's kind of like right when I was transitioning into doing a lot more Maverick games. And so those okay. all kind of like one, uh, well, one, the start of one sort of, uh, accelerated the end sure. of another. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and that stepped away from SMU you at that keep, point. You keep, like, keep rolling on your calendar. Yeah. Okay, so all that being said, so you're a very familiar voice in our living room. And so, like, for me, voices like Pat Summerall and Eric Nadell and Brad Sham, um, Tom Greve, those are, like, me listening as a kid, the voices right. that, that I grew up with. So I want to know who yours are. Like, who are your influences in this world? Well, I loved listening to Brad growing up. I've always, you know, had immense respect for Brad Sham, and he's been nothing but great to me over the years. So Brad's right at the top of the list. Okay. Uh, but I would say if I were to identify from a play-by-play perspective growing up, the most influential voice to me, it would be the late Mark Holtz, who was the lead play-by-play announcer on the Rangers radio broadcast uh, from the late 70s. Uh, and I don't remember the exact year he started, but I remember that he was the guy when I started like being cognizant and aware of listening Hearing to the that. Rangers on the radio and who I was listening to. So late seventies, you say? Yeah, he how, started then. Yeah. When did when like how when did he end that? Then? He he ended his radio broadcast time with the Rangers, I believe, in nineteen ninety four. Okay. And then for a couple of years, he was the Rangers television play by play voice, and then he was diagnosed with a rare form of leukemia. Uh, left the broadcast booth and regrettably passed away just a very, you know, a few months after that. But uh, what I really, really loved about Mark is that I would listen to these Ranger games when I was growing up. And I mean, you know this, Kelly, the Rangers were really bad during a lot of those years, but yet he made the games so exciting. There was an enthusiasm, there was an excitement in his voice, and it really was kind of the basis for my whole sort of focus of sports broadcasting. Rule number one, uh, I have to kind of like say this the most polite way that I can say it. I would, I would say it a little bit differently if we weren't doing this. Yeah. But if I don't sound like I care about the game that I'm doing, then how in the world could I expect the guy at home on the couch to care about it's the game? It's so true. Yeah. You got to bring a level. Yeah. Even if the game's not going to bring it that right. night, yeah, like you sure. got to bring it to make the people believe, like, why should I stay on here? Yeah, absolutely. Should, yeah. Yeah. And I always thought that Mark was very, very good at that. And that's really the thing in listening to okay. him beyond just his outstanding description as a radio play-by-play person yeah, and realizing how pieces. important, yeah, realizing how important that is, but just, yeah. But I, to, I asked about the timing with him just because I, I wasn't as familiar with that name, but um, so that aligns though, so I, I bet I know the voice. Right. When I was growing up, 
So most of like the 80s into the early 90s, I'm from a few hours away from this area. Right. So we we were Rangers fans, and right. that was my main thing. My mm-hmm. I was a softball player, and my dad was our coach. So we were baseball people. Right. Um, and we would watch, but listen. Right. My dad sure. was big on mute the TV, yeah. listen to the radio broadcast, and Absolutely. this and that. And so I probably know his voice. It just didn't, you know. Throughout, know the name as much. Throughout so. the 80s, the, the broadcast was split between Mark and Eric Nadeau, mm-hmm. the baseball Hall of Famer, right. you know, enshrined in Cooperstown and right. still is part of the broadcast. And in the 80s, Mark would do the first, second, and third. Eric would do the fourth, fifth, and sixth. Then Mark would be the analyst. And then Eric would go, I mean, Mark would go back to play-by-play for the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings. And then Eric would be the analyst. That for the seventh, seems eighth, complicated. And ninth. Yeah, but they pulled, they were so good at it. Is that normal to break up a... Yeah. For a baseball okay. broadcast, okay. sure. For I a baseball radio broadcast, that is not unique. And okay. so, you know, the thing about it is, is that the end of game moments, like Nolan Ryan, no hitters, yeah. Mark got to call those and was amazing at those. But, you know, I mean, if you talk to Eric, doing the middle innings meant that Eric was in position to do Nolan Ryan's 5,000 strikeout of Ricky Henderson in the fifth game of that particular August day back in 1989. So. I've never thought about that. Like, prepping for that game, yeah. you have to know if you're in your team, right, like, not the team on the field, but like your broadcast team, yeah. what milestone you could hit that game yeah. and yeah. be prepared for it. And not only that, know who's going to do cover right. it. Right. I've never thought about it that way. Yeah. So, yeah, it, yeah that's, I mean, and, and obviously, you know, I'm talking a lot about Mark, but Eric is somebody who was an instrumental part of those broadcasts. And I loved Eric's role in those broadcasts as well. And so he was a very, very influential voice. And what I loved about, especially what I loved about what Eric does is he has such knowledge and curiosity about the history of the game and the off the wall moments in the game and the story behind the story, if you will, the rest of the story, if I may quote yeah, Paul Harvey yes, from, the old, yes. yeah, from the old days. Uh, Eric was just- Another was, voice yeah, we remember, yeah. yeah. He, was so, he was so good at that. And also that's something I learned from Eric too. And you know, I, I think I have that sort of natural curiosity about uh, off the beaten path stories, if you will, in the game. And and so I don't always get to do it the way that he does, but try to bring that sometimes every once in a while in well, basketball. Those are the things you can um, remember. Right. Like, especially with baseball, if I'm watching that, or even with basketball, any sport, that you remember and like, as a parent now, I pass those things down. Sure. The little, the little nuggets, like the little random nuances about right. the sport, like, did you know, or did you know this acronym or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, this stat, and as graphics go up. And so that's something I love to watch yeah. like during the broadcast. Okay, so you mentioned those names. Was was play-by-play like your ultimate goal always, or is this something that you've, you've it's evolved kind of accidentally, or were you always set on being play-by-play guy? Um, I wouldn't say always set on it, but it was certainly something that was high on my list. Um, I was very interested growing up and in being involved in sports, mm-hmm. whether it was a sports news person or a radio play-by-play person. My dad worked some in radio, not when I was alive, when he was much, much younger. And so that sort of romanticized the idea of being on radio. Uh, so that was probably like my real first love is some sort of melding of the world of sports and how I loved to look at my baseball cards when I was a kid uh-huh. and radio because the other really nerdy thing that I did and I love to tell this story is that when I was young, I was fascinated by the idea that, you know, when it comes to AM radio at night uh, through something called Skyway propagation, the signal skips around. And okay. so you can be in Dallas, Texas and you can hear and you can still do this now, by the way. WLW News Radio 700 in Cincinnati and WBBM in Chicago is 780 on the dial and KOA 
in Denver, 850, and WWL in New Orleans, 870. You can these, hear those? Yeah, you can hear all these stations around the country at night. And you can hear that not just in Dallas. I mean, you can hear yeah. that. Those are clear channel AM stations that, you know, WBAP used to, I don't I don't listen to them much these days, but I know that they, they used to talk about the fact that they could be heard in 38 states. So a clear channel 50,000 watt AM station has the ability at night to reach, you know, vast wow. regions of the country. And so sitting alone in my room as a 12 or 13 year old, I was fascinated by this and thought, wow, what a cool job it would be to be the guy that's on the radio and somebody like me is listening to you, you know, when you're on the radio in Cincinnati, somewhere Ohio, else. and they're sitting somewhere, some random place, you know, half a nation away. So yeah. I was always really intrigued by that. And that was one of the first things that sort of pulled me into the love of the idea of radio and being quote unquote on the air. Yeah. And you said your dad was in the business too. So yeah. you grew well, up seeing it. Sure. Or no, hearing it, hearing it stories yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He wasn't doing that when I was alive. It was more okay. something that uh, mixed in with his uh, being in the Navy stories and things okay. like that gotcha. were, were, were stories that, uh, you know, I, I loved to, to, you know, to sit out on the front porch at night, you know, when, during the summertime and, and yeah. hear stories and him spin yarns and tell stories about. So it was neat. So we're going to shift to soccer in a second. Okay. But before that, I didn't even ask you, um, were you an athlete growing up? Uh, well, I wanted to be and tried to be. Okay. But, uh, I, mean, I, I mean, can you be an athlete and be a terrible athlete? Yeah, I, mean, I, suppose that's I didn't say were you a good athlete. <laughs> well, I mean, because, you know, I asked if you always wanted to be a play-by-play or broadcaster or yeah. radio. But I guess before that, I wonder, like, obviously you're interested in sports. Right. Um, so was that because you played sports? young and then you like you wanted to cover sports on the radio or, or were you just always a fan i was more a fan i tried to play do the best i could uh you know that wasn't very good um and <laughs> and you know probably for for a lot of reasons that aren't worth getting into here just you know I, I didn't probably have the drive and the desire and the energy to do the things on the field that would make you the best that you could be but i love to watch it and mm -hmm. i love to be around it and i love to study numbers and stats about yeah. it and things like that but to do what I had to do to be the best uh, uh, competitor that I could be, I hadn't like sort of found that in my DNA yet. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I found it in, you know, the one thing I would say that athletically I've sort of like kind of gotten into as the years have gone by is I'm a big runner. Mm -hmm. and so I'm good at, uh, so at least I've learned like at, at the age of 30 and on into being 50 years old that when it comes to running for a while, for a long distance in a straight line, I'm okay at you that. You can do it. Yeah, that's yeah. one thing in my athletic achievements that uh, I really focused and trained hard on as an adult. Which is funny. I got competitive about it. Because as a kid, we, that isn't interesting at all. That's the last yeah. thing as kids that we want to do. Like, right. let's run a while in a straight line. We want to play <laughs> and be in the game. But then as we get older, we like, okay, we can do that. That yeah. is a simplified version of something I can do. I, I do wish that that's, that's the one thing, like kind of looking back, just because realizing that my, my uh, body style and my cardiovascular system sort of had like had an aptitude for it. Mm -hmm. If I could go back in time and like had tried out for the high school cross country team, for example, and maybe yeah. devoted some energy to it, that would have been something that I, that maybe, maybe if I look back on it, I could have excelled at. But at least as an adult, that's been the one competitive sports thing that mm -hmm. I really embraced, especially a few years ago, you know, um, not as fast as I used to be and, you know, don't train as hard as I used to. But for a while, I was like really obsessive about time and running mm -hmm. and training to do like 5Ks and things like that. Right. Really, really dialed in on that for a while as an adult. But as a kid, my, my sports endeavors were, were much more about 
the uh, concept of watching it and studying about it than it was the actual performance of okay. it. I was a fish out of water when it came to trying to perform at sports. So that's the natural progression as yeah. to why you now call the games. That is, right. you know, it makes yeah. sense. Okay, well, we are going to talk more about specifically soccer and your job in that um, sport. But we're going to take a quick break, hear from one of our sponsors, and we'll be right back with more from Mark Followell. This episode is brought to you by The Pit, performance indoor training. The Pit has three training and entertainment complexes in the DFW area that offer both indoor and outdoor elite soccer training. The Pit offers league play for co-ed, youth, and adult leagues. And for training, the Junior Academy is for ages two through six, plus the Pit Soccer Academy for ages five plus, and goalkeeper training is offered as well. To learn more about The Pit Frisco, Plano, or Roanoke, head to performanceindoortraining.com. For one-on-one -on -one tutoring for every student, all ages and all subjects, call Tutor Doctor. They even make house calls. They provide in-home or online learning for all types and all goals. And don't forget Tutor Doctor for SAT and ACT test prep. So call for your free consultation today. 972-703-9344 or go to tutordoctor.com slash Frisco. Tutor Doctor, how learning hits home. Welcome back to Hustle and Pro. We're here with Mark Followell. We're going to talk about his soccer coverage. So your coverage of soccer sort of seemed to boom um, when we hear you doing games for Copa America, CONCACAF, Gold Cup, yeah. UEFA Europa, Bundesliga, 2016 Summer Olympics and 2018 World Cup. Right. Okay, that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot of soccer. So why yeah. all the soccer? Well, I love the game. And I was very, very fortunate to get involved with FC Dallas and be involved at a time that because the Mavericks were on Fox Sports Southwest, because that had sort of led to a relationship with Fox where I was doing some college football games mm -hmm. for Fox because I did a lot of Big 12 and Conference USA games for Fox for several years. So I had a relationship there. I knew what sort of the focus of Fox was in terms of their soccer coverage, which is we need to cultivate more American voices covering the sport. You know, they tried a thing with Gus Johnson that had, I think, mixed results. A lot of people, you know, didn't like it at all. I think, you know, Gus did under the circumstances the best that he could do. I think he's a wonderful play-by-play -play announcer. Um, you know, and I think he certainly had some moments where his enthusiasm was great and loved it. Uh, but, you know, it didn't work out. He moved away from it. They, you know, whatever decisions were made there. Uh, but I knew they still wanted to continue to cultivate American voices. So it really was just one of these things where I reached out and said, hey, you know, I do MLS games in Dallas. Uh, I love the game. I'm watching a lot of what's going on around the world. So I have familiarity with it. I would love to work my way into the mix. And it started with uh, some things in 2014. I did a Women's World Cup qualifier for CONCACAF in 2014 between Jamaica and Martinique. It wasn't the greatest game in the world, but it was my first opportunity to do something for them and everything just sort of grew from there. And I was very, very fortunate to be uh, in the right place at the right time and knock on the right doors. And I knocked long enough and loudly enough that they let me in. Okay, so with that international soccer experience, I heard, probably on the ticket, that you learned Spanish for that reason. Is that true? Uh, that is a big part of it, yes. Okay. So I've always, growing up in Texas, and being someone who takes a lot of vacations to Mexico because it's a close place to go. It's a beautiful country with beautiful people and just a tremendous, it's a tremendous place. And I love it. And, I, you know, we have, I mean, we could go on and on about that. And I won't, you know, go wading off into those waters too much. But I really, really enjoy, uh, my wife and I enjoy our time there. 
So it's always been something I've wanted to do and be more than just the guy who took it in high school who still had like the capability of like broken Spanish who could sort of like be very like base level passable on a vacation in Mexico. Right. Uh, and then I did it from a soccer perspective because I would read stories. I would be doing a game, a CONCACAF game between El Salvador and Guatemala in the Gold Cup <laughs> and want to be able to read stories from their local press and be able to understand a little bit more about what was going on on these teams because there's just not a whole lot of information out there in English, English. language coverage about these teams. Right. So that was a big part of it. Another thing that I really wanted to get to the point of doing is to be able to talk to guys with FC Dallas because I felt like I was missing an opportunity to talk to guys, to get to know them, and to be able to share a little bit more about them with our viewers. And so, uh, you know, thanks yeah. to Dallas County Community College and also the University of North Texas, uh, because I did take some advanced level classes there, uh, I put in a lot of time in it. Uh, my reading and writing got a lot better. Uh, my uh, ability to say things got marginally better. My ability to understand got uh, a little bit less than marginally better. Uh, you know, so it was very, very useful. Uh, I have not been able to apply it in all the ways I hope, particularly yeah. like talking to players and things like that. But it's been immensely helpful in terms of vacation trips and things like that. And it's been immensely helpful in terms of being able to read things online, mm -hmm. read things on social media about teams. So when Prepare. you're covering, yeah, when you're yeah. covering Honduras and Guatemala, like I said, in the Gold Cup, or you're covering, um, you know, Chile in a World Cup game, right. or Argentina in a World Cup game, and I, I guess I'd never had Argentina, but I had Argentina in the Copa America, and I had uh, Chile in the Copa America Centenario, and I've had games involving Mexico um, in the Gold Cup, and games involving Mexico in the Olympics this past summer. So, you know, I can read a newspaper article in a Spanish language newspaper and understand enough it. of yeah. it and get it. And sometimes I can directly translate quotes if they're pretty easy. You know, there's still some things that are said in a way that they don't sure, teach you in sure. a book. Yeah. Just like we speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. But so, in, in pronouncing yeah. the names. Yes. Announcing and pronouncing. Yes. Yeah. yes, absolutely. So it's been a wonderful thing. Um, I wish that I were able to keep up with it more. There's just not, you know, nobody's out there practicing with me all the time. So I sense that I've lost a lot of it, but I yeah. listen to music. And, you know, look, this is the thing that it also did for me that I am eternally grateful for. And that is taking classes in Spanish launched my whole like adult re-engagement uh, with education. I mean, it changed my life by doing that. Not just because, you know, getting to learn another language and getting more immersed in another culture, mm -hmm. but also, you know, that is really the impetus for me going back to school as a late 40s, now 50-year-old adult. I finished my degree thanks to the good folks at University of North Texas. I had my first ever like uh, um, advising session right up here at UNT Frisco uh -huh. uh, and started on a degree program. I took classes and finished my degree in December of 2020. And then because of the pandemic, there were like a lot of other classes online. So I got a second bachelor's degree in history. Just kept going. Yeah. In and history. Now I'm, in a, okay. I'm, I'm in a grad school program now at the University of Alabama studying for a master's in journalism. I started oh that gosh. this past semester. I and, didn't know that. I yeah. I didn't really say much about it because I was like worried. What if I flunk out because the classes are hard? So it's like, I don't want to tell people. Say it out I'm loud yeah. so that we're, you're accountable for <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that you're exactly right. On the right. record yeah, now. It's on the record. It does yeah. make me accountable for it because I thought, That's well, awesome. yeah, grad school, like, is this going to like totally kick my butt and I'm going to fail and so I was, I was a little worried about it uh but we made it through one semester successfully in that regard so that's great that's yeah, a Spanish, lot of education yeah. to reignite yeah, yeah. i can and see it's, how it's been invigorating and it's been amazing to do it i'm so happy that i've done it and it's opened my eyes to a lot of other things out there and it's just like you know because i left school early 
I left school early because I wanted to start working in radio. Right. You know, that whole get dream of working yeah. in radio. Get, and, your, get your internship and start yeah, working. Start doing get your that. foot in the door. Yeah, right? so I'm, I'm so thankful for like just this decision one day, man, you know, I'm going to take Spanish. I'm, and the thing with Spanish too is I tried to do a tutoring service that would come to the house mm -hmm. through uh, an organization, a great organization that works locally called Spanish House. And it was good and I enjoyed it, but I realized I need to do it in terms of a classroom format where there's a grade on the line and you learn it the way that they would teach you in school. Yeah. And there's this sort of like really curriculum. formulated curriculum, yeah. exactly. And so I know that we like gone way off the trail of what we were planning on talking about here. No, but no. this is something obviously I'm super passionate about. Yeah, so, I mean, I've, yeah. I've always been curious when I've heard that and I can relate to the, you kind of reach a point when you're interviewing players yeah. where I was, I was telling you, I think I've had nine or 10 or 11 FC Dallas players right. on this show. And I think I'm, I, I hit a wall every right. season where I'm like, I think the rest aren't English speaking or aren't comfortable, you know, in a interview style right. speaking English. And so I feel like I'm leaving so much out there on the table that right. I don't have I just don't, you know, get to talk to those guys. And so I applaud you yeah. for going that extra step and in, in getting that. Well, that's the one thing with it. You know, I talked to Brian Acosta one time and he was so nice. And I mean, God bless him. He could not have been more patient and encouraging. And I, I was trying and God, I was so nervous, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, they probably appreciate the effort. Of course, absolutely. Like, yeah, I wouldn't even try because yeah. I'm the high school. Well, I did a little bit in college, but. I don't use it, never really have enough. So I wouldn't even try out yeah. loud to a player. Right. Like, there's no way. So for you to show that effort probably yeah. goes a really long way with these players. Yeah. Well, I would like to do more of that. That's, like I said, the one thing that that never really has launched in the way I wanted it to. But a lot of great came out of it. And, yeah. and hopefully more will uh, moving forward. But, uh, yeah, it's a little it's a little rusty these days. I've just, i got to keep on listening to my... Uh, to my Latin pop stations on the radio to try to to try to stay up with a little bit of it. Okay, next FC Dallas season, which is going to be here in a blink. Yeah, I'll be uh, listening for more like long form interviews oh, in Spanish <laughs> from you to see how it's going. Okay, well that also brings me to the next thing I want to ask you about. So when I last saw you, we were at an FC Dallas um, like press conference covering the new head coach right. when yeah. Nico, Nico Nico gets to town, yeah. right? Um, so that made me start wondering when big events like that happen with the teams that you're covering, you have to stay on top of a coach hiring or firing or like big marquee players coming and going. How much does that make your job harder for when you're on the air next time? Um, do those things motivate you and make it more fun to do your job and get your juices flowing? Or is that something that like takes you back a step and you've got to prepare and learn to then get on the air and talk about these changes? Oh, uh, that's a great question. Gosh, I don't really feel like anybody's ever asked me that in that way before. And I guess my answer to that is, I don't think it really changes anything. It's just a new thing to prepare for. Uh, it's all part of the business. Um, you know, the, the one yeah. constant in professional sports is change <laughs> and, and players are changing and coaches are changing and front office personnel change. And so, yeah. Uh, to me, the hardest part of that, of course, is that you build relationships with people and then all of a sudden, because of how things are in pro sports, they're sort of just like instantaneously and unceremoniously yeah. out the door. And, you know, there's there's not much of a chance to say goodbye and those sorts of things. Yeah. So that's the that's the sad part of it. But yeah. a new person coming in doesn't really change anything other than you have to prepare to understand and learn about who they are so you can share that with the viewer. And then obviously you've got to build and cultivate a relationship with that person and you hope that they right. respect what you do. And, uh, you know, the, it has always gone well in that regard, uh, you know, in terms of building new relationships with people. That probably is, um, it, for me, it would be a source of a little bit of anxiety. If mm -hmm. I have a good relationship, 
like with Lucci, right? We yeah. all love Lucci. And it's funny because we're going to see him back like really soon right. uh, on the other side. But um, when, when, when a new guy comes in, and this isn't so much with players, but with the, the coaching staff, right. like you have to, like you, you have to have a good rapport with these guys on a yeah. regular basis. And so you probably, I would wonder like, yeah. what if, what if I rub them the wrong way off the sure. top? What if my first question irritates them or, you know, like I want to get off to a good, good start so that we can build going forward, build a, you know, a good relationship. You do only you, get one chance to make a Right. Do you ever think about sure. that stuff or are sure. you just so good at it uh, now? No, it no, you. of course. Absolutely. You yeah. think about that sort of thing. And look, what you're trying to ultimately do is you need to build a relationship of trust because if you're going to be the best broadcaster you can be, then the coach and the front office, they've got to trust you that you're going to do your job, that you're going to look out for the best interest of the franchise, but also they need to kind of let you in a little bit more to know what's going on. And yes. so there's that fine line of, look, I don't want to be in too far because that's intruding too far into ground I don't need to intrude into. Right. However, I do need to be in a little bit closer because I need to have a little bit of an idea of some things that are going on, even if it's just watching practice. I mean, that's really kind of what I'm getting at yeah, is, yeah. you know, that you want a coach that trusts, that you'll go watch practice, that you'll see the things that you need to see to prepare for your game, but understand that there's obviously you're in a trust tree and that information doesn't go outside of that trust tree. <laughs> on the tree. air. Yeah. Not yeah. everything you see at practice is going on the air and yeah, they have to believe not, you. At least, at least not until game time anyway, when, when that sort of thing is going to be out there for everybody to know like right. who the starting lineup is. Or right, right, right. Like that. Yeah. 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 Right. Because if you break that trust, yeah. you're not going to get anything good. You might be restricted or whatever. Yeah. A lot of times you you don't get a second opportunity yeah. you know, in those situations. So yeah. that's really the most important thing. Yeah. I mean, or you mentioned like it, some of the sad pieces. So I, um, I mean, I'm mostly a fan, right? And right. so when, when we have players like Pepe and Reggie and um, when I'm talking FC Dallas still, sure, players that we know they're going to leave. Yeah. And, and that is the nature of the ML, where we are in the MLS. We know they're probably going to leave mm -hmm. some of our favorites sure. um, as they move on. It, it like hurts sometimes and hits yeah. up my, my family hard because we are in the seats in the fan or in the stands every game. Mm -hmm. We do everything with the team. And yeah. so like, do you have the separation where you don't feel that at all and you just move on and you know it's a, it's a transaction, it's work, whatever? Or do you have some some of the fan link where you, you oh, get, you feel it? I'm probably in the middle ground of where you are, but completely distant from it where it's just a transaction. I mean, okay. these are people. And you build up relationships with people, right. you know, they're, you know, we're, and, and to your earlier point, I mean, this all came up just around the Dirk Jersey retirement ceremony recently. Yes. You know, we're not covering games. We cover people playing games. And I do think there's a really important difference in distinction there. You know, these are not robots that are out there. These are people that we invest, just like the whole thing about investing in your personality as an announcer. Yep. You know, you invest in the personality and the the everything that surrounds the individual that's playing these games. Uh, Dirk is Dirk because of the person that he was, not just all of the accolades and achievements and right. things that he did for the Mavericks, but also because he let us in and we understood what kind of person that he was and what kind of amazing person that he right. was. So that's what made the whole Dirk story that. And, you know, these guys for FC Dallas, from that perspective, they're young. They haven't had a lot of success yet. They're very well grounded. All of them seem very well raised. Yeah. They come here, 
They learn the FC Dallas way very well. They're approachable. You build bonds. You build relationships with them, especially when they're young players right. in their career. They're still kind Finishing of wide-eyed. And they're like, yeah. they're way closer in age to your kids than they are me. Oh, so there's sure. a bond there. Yeah. Some so, of these players are like yeah. friends with my daughter on social media yeah. and stuff. And it's it's bizarre. So it, and they so, just want to play soccer. Yeah, the, the perspective that you're coming from, I 100% understand it. And that's really, I mean, to be honest, that's what, again, sports is all about. It's about people and relationships and life for that matter is about people and relationships. I mean, I always bring all these stats and numbers into the stuff that I do and that's fine. It's got its place, but you know, life and sports and it's about people and you know, and, yep. and what, and how watching these games and these people make you feel and you know, the return to that relationship, because you know, I do think that you are, if you're a player, I don't have this experience in it, but I've watched it for a long time. Uh, you're energized by that, by that relationship with people and by that, uh, that thrill that you get mm -hmm. from performing for people and the, uh, you know, the, 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 the connection that, that you get. Energy. Yeah, and, the, yeah. yeah. And you connect with people. I heard Jason Terry say one time when he went and spoke at, a, at an event and, uh, you know, there was a lot of like noise and kids talking. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I was watching this thing. And it's like, you know, the, the crowd control of this is not very good. And it's frustrating because it's Jason Terry. Right. Up like, there listen, focus. Yeah. yeah. And I talked to him afterwards about it. And he said, if you change one kid's life today, then it's all worth it. And so I do believe that these guys, you know, I've heard that from a lot of other people, you know, they 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 cherish these relationships because you can I impact people's lives. I sure. believe it. And I think yeah. that's why we are so drawn to sports. It's yeah. it's not the game, it's the players playing the game. It's the yeah. game, how the game is played by the people and the connections yeah. that we make. We're not covering games, we're covering people playing people games. Pl I love that yeah. quote. Yeah. Okay, so, um, all right, you had 23 years covering mm -hmm. the Mavs, right? We talked to, about that, but, and you mentioned the Dirk jersey. Um, I was going to ask you, it's almost like you read my mind, because I was going to ask you, <laughs> um, just recently, we see the Dirk jersey retirement evening, and it brought up, like, so many memories. Mm -hmm. Just me as a fan sitting sure, on my couch. My husband was there. Right. I didn't get the invite from the, from the, from the buddies, but um, I was fine watching it from my couch. But it brought up so many just cool, the visuals, right, on the video, and then seeing some of the um, people talking on the video, and then the, the championship team players that came back, yeah. and just seeing them, and I love seeing them older and all that stuff. Um, so I'm curious that in addition to Dirk, because I, I think that's an obvious, like, sure. top, top guy that you've gotten to cover, um, who else stands out, whether it's a player, a coach, a season, like, what are some of your favorites? Oh, wow. Well, I think from the Mavs perspective, like one favorite game that will always stand out to me. I mean, I know it's Dirk again, but it's the 30K game. You know, when he achieved the 30,000 point milestone and needed 20 points going into the game and they were handing out the T-shirts beforehand. And I know that he didn't like that. That's he a been, lot. Yeah, yeah, he didn't hadn't been playing well. And so there was pressure on him. But there was just such an electricity in the, in the crowd that night. And then he came out, bang, three in the first minute, bang, another three in the first minute. And it's like, okay, great, I'm getting yeah. it done tonight. Yeah. This is this is going down. Get your friends to the TV. Everybody, I'm going to put the show on for you tonight. We're going to yeah, get this over. Yeah, I love there. that. Yeah. Yeah, so that the electricity of that and getting to call that, because look, it's only happened seven times. The only seven players in NBA history that have reached 30,000 points. And that it happened. Yeah, it happened at home. Uh, it happened in front of a full house who just was, I was shocked to be honest with you that night like how into it the crowd was I mean, i knew they would be into it but there was just like, this this level of energy oh my gosh yeah, yeah. and so yeah. i will i will never forget that game i mean there's so many others and we could i mean look i could go on and on about memories and stories and 
people and things like that. But I mean, that's the one game. If I like were to look back and say that's the thing that I'll remember and how it all felt and what it was all like. I mean, I'll remember that forever. You that's know? great. You know, and it, you know, like the championship season was great. Sure. And, the, and, the, and I mean, and, yeah, yeah, of course. The, the the games were great, but you know, the thing that everybody has to remember is. Local television only covers the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, you don't get to go all the way. Now, right? I will say that Game 6 in Portland and that year's playoff series, after we had blown it in Game 4 and blew a 23-point lead and the series was 2-2 and everybody thought we were going to, like, these guys are going to screw it up again, yeah. you know, and the Mavericks came back at home and won Game 5 and then had a 17-point lead in Game 6 and the darn thing got down to being a one-point game in the fourth quarter. I mean, and <laughs> Gerald Wallace had a steal and a dunk. And I'm watching people around me, and they're just going absolutely bananas. Yeah. I mean, people are jumping up and down on the front row in a way. It's like, what is yeah, happening right now? Yeah. Yeah. So that was like, I will remember that one for a long time. From That's the thing from the championship season, the one game from the championship season that I was involved in that I'll remember. And then the other right. games, like the Lakers and the Thunder and Miami, as that series went along, you know, I mean, I wasn't doing those games, so I watched those like an entirely different perspective. Sure than I did from a broadcaster. Um, you know, the Mavericks won those first two games in the Lakers series, and I remember game three was also so close. People think of game four against the Lakers and, you know, the blowout on Mother's Day where, you know, just you know made 23s or whatever in that game, and it was, it was done by halftime. But in the final minutes of that game three, I mean, it was like a one-possession game, and I'm sitting next to Skin at that point, and I'm just sitting there like the whole time it's like, you know, Paige is getting switched on to Lamar Odom. It's like, somebody's got to help him. Somebody's got to help him. Come on now. You know, it's like, I'm sitting there coaching every game of the, th like I'm Carlisle, yeah. you know, and I'm sitting in the yeah. 200 section coaching the game. So can't help it. Yeah, that was, there are really neat memories. And then of course, like by the time the series was over with, it was to the point that I was like, I can't even watch the game right now. I just have to like listen to the crowd. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> the ups and downs, right? Just yeah, how sure. you experience it. Yeah. I love it. Those are some great memories. And just hearing you talk about it is exciting. Yeah. Because you remember, like, obviously you remember the details. And so it's great hearing you recall it. Yeah, it was it was a it was a fun run. And obviously, you know, the, that's a memory that I'll cherish, you know, forever. And gosh, the parade after that, for some dumb reason, they let me ride on a float in the parade. That's great. <laughs> you earned it. You're a part of the I, team. I didn't do anything. Sure. So, yeah, I, all I remember, I remember about that is I was, like, constantly on the parade float. I just got, like, it was an out-of-body experience almost. Okay. I remember I kept on doing, like, the Hulk Hogan. You know how, like, Hulk Hogan will, like, go up to fans and he'll, like, do, you know, yeah. like this. I want you know, like, I'm doing that business oh, the whole time. that's hilarious. <laughs> just, just acting a fool, pretty much. That's you know? what it's all but, about, though. Yeah, like, you don't get to fun. win championships very often. And yeah. so, like, if your team, the team that you've ride or die with all year, yeah. you know, it is your work, but it is also, obviously, a passion and a love for you. So when they get that moment, yeah. you get to be a part of it. I think hey, that's the only cigar that I've ever smoked in my life, as a matter of fact. So, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was the victory cigar that day. That's great. The parade of all That's things. great. I love all those memories. <laughs> well, thank you so much yeah, for um, for sitting down with us. I know yeah. that you are, I mean, you're in, in the thick of Mavs right now and um, probably prepping for soccer and all the other things happening. So I really, like, appreciate the time that you yeah. took to sit down with yeah. us. And, well, of course, happy to do it. And go through this stuff with us. So. Yeah, no, appreciate it's great. It. I really, and I really, I love getting, and I'm sorry, like, I, I talked about something that wasn't, like, kind of our plan, but, like, uh, no. my UNT experience, and since we're at, you know, UNT Frisco yeah, here the at, uh, at the BLS, you know, it's just, it's, uh, it's very, very meaningful thing to me in life. So that was, uh, yeah. you know, great to get to kind of revisit and share the greatness of education. Absolutely. You know, uh, being a lifelong learner, 
if there's anything anybody took away from this. It's fun to tell Maverick stories and it's fun to tell FC Dallas and soccer stories. Yeah. But lifelong learning is uh, something that we all should aspire to. And, you know, I'm so grateful that UNT, the folks here in UNT Frisco and in Denton have all been like, you know, such an instrumental part of that re-engagement. It's changed my life. And so I'm, I'm eternally grateful for that, you know, with the, the things that it's opened my eyes to later in life. That's amazing. Yeah. That's great. No, I'm Thank glad you. you shared it. Appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Hustle & Pro. Find us on your favorite podcast platform or watch us on YouTube. However you find us, please like and comment and share. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next episode of Hustle & Pro. See you next time.